The man that stands before you is a very different man that stood before me at that very, very first meeting. And uh, a couple of years of marital counseling weekly, a lot of uh, God just taking away every opportunity to run and every excuse. I used to say to God, God, you keep revealing things to me about his life. This guy's going to get tired of seeing me. He's going to run away from me. He's going to leave the church. I'm being honest with you. God, these guys, they were on, on the verge of just losing everything. And God would not let him get away with anything. And God would show me things. And then I'd confront him nicely. And uh, it kept happening. And I got, I got tired of it. I was trying to tell God, God, please don't show me anything anymore. You know, the guy's going to be afraid of me. But you know, God knew the calling that was on your life. And he knew the faithfulness that was deep down inside under all the rubble and under all the hurt. And this man has been extremely faithful, not only to me and to the Lord, he's been faithful to this church, him and his wife Liz. And God raised them up literally from ground zero, just rubble. And today, uh, Carlos is a pastor in this church. I have much confidence in him. And today... He's going to bring the word of the Lord to you. Amen. 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 You know, there, bring my mic. Down. There we go. So this one, we were going to use yours, but you showed up. <laughs> There's a scripture that Paul says, um, Christ came for all sinners of whom I am the worst. And I, I strongly believe that he wrote that for me. <laughs> so I want to take a quick moment in front of everyone to thank you for all those times that you did push when you were questioning whether or not I was going to run. I wanted to sometimes. I did. And, and, and I thank you for pushing through and listening to God, being obedient. The, the biggest, the most important thing, church, the most important thing we can do is be obedient to the Lord. When the Lord puts something on your heart, it doesn't matter if we feel uncomfortable. As long as we're doing what the Lord says, we're doing it right. So sincerely, thank you, Pastor. Thank you for the opportunity to share a word today. I was really feeling like it should be a worship service. But really. Amen. Okay, how many of you know that I love technology? So this might let dust out when I open my Bible today. Well, good morning, church. Um, how many of you were here the last time I spoke? Oh, great. So this is part two of a three-year series. <laughs> if you remember from last time uh, why I write notes, I, I will never know. I've erased them about five times before coming here this morning. And I told Tony this morning when uh, I was handing him scriptures, these are all subject to change. So with that in mind, I want to share with you my title today is, Are You Stopping You? How many of you enjoy the worship? I, I, I love the worship. We were made to worship. But I used to think that the worship was just the music. And it was a time for us to 
come in and find our seats while somebody was playing before the pastor comes up to speak. You know, anybody else think, was I the only one? Anybody else think that it was just pre-service seating, that, that we could just listen to some music as we're running in and getting ready? Or, um, Well, they play music for about 20 minutes, a half hour, so pastor's not preaching. I can show up late. Pastor Jan, I'm the only one. They're <laughs> real quiet today. <laughs> yeah. I grew up around music. I got my first set of turntables and little mixer. And I was DJing from when I was 13. But music back then was different because I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't doing anything to glorify God. I understand all of that now. But back then, I was dedicating my time to playing music and, and just entertainment. So when I first started coming to church and I heard the music, I thought, oh, it's just entertainment. When I started to get to understand that there's a heart to worship and what the worship does when you get into worship, when you take a moment to step back and just everything that's going on in your day, just lay it all down at the feet of Jesus and open your heart up. You give him the opportunity to do great things in you and through you that will take you to the next level. I want to share a, a scripture with you right now that I love going to because it, it shows the heart to worship. And I've shared it before. It's one of my go-tos. Acts 16, verses 25 and 26. This is about Paul and Silas when they're in prison. Today, I'm going to break it down a little bit more. Just a little bit. About midnight. Great, we're there. And I opened my Bible. I'm going to use it. You know, something about when you're studying, and I love technology, and, and, and I'll go into, uh, I'll go into my, my laptop and my cell phone, and I'll find scriptures, and I'll, I'll do all amazing things with it. But when you're digging into the Word, and you open your paper Bible, and you grab another version, and you grab your concordance, and you just sit in front of the paper, it does something different. So if you don't bring your Bibles with you to church, I encourage you to do so. I can pull it up really quick. But this speaks to me. Amen? All right. I promise this will all make sense when I'm done. <laughs> Acts 16, verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. That suddenly that came at midnight was because of what Paul and Silas were doing at 1159. Amen. That minute before, what they were doing is what made a difference. Okay? Now... It's not written, and I, I, I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget. It's not written in the Word, and so I wouldn't make a doctrine out of this, but hear me. I strongly believe that Paul and Silas were singing and praying, and the prisoners were listening. They're having church, okay? They're having church. They, they, they were the worship team, and 
people were just entering in. They were having church. And they were having church so powerfully that they shook heaven. And when they shook heaven and God felt what they were doing, he shook the foundations of that prison and, ripped, and, and, and tore off their shackles. Amen? Now, we got to get to a place that when God takes off our shackles, and this is, I don't know if we have time to get into that, but when God takes your shackles off, don't pick them up and put them back on. <laughs> Man, a lot happened in that one minute between verse 25 and 26, didn't it? You know, God moves. When you turn your worry into worship and your panic into praise, God moves. God moves. When we take a moment to come up front and, and, and just get in his presence. And I say, I, I say up front, here in the church, we're used to, as, as, there's, as there's worship, the altar's open, people come up front, and they get into their quiet place. When you take that moment to get into your quiet place, to just worship the Lord and not let all of the noise from outside get in okay there's a difference between hearing and listening okay we can hear noise but we have to listen to god okay sometimes we can hear the chatter and if we let that take over we won't listen to what he's saying what he's telling us to do and that's not in these notes <laughs> i love this Well, we officially went on a tangent, Pastor. <laughs> Guys, side note, it's awesome to be up here and be able to share a word. Um, when you open yourself up to God, he will show you things that you never even saw in the Bible and scriptures that, in scriptures that you've read over and over and over. <clears throat> and even while you're standing up here. <laughs> okay, so... <clears throat> Tony, these are some of the scriptures that I didn't give you. Acts 2.2 2 says, and, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like a Russian violent wind. You don't have to put any of these up. Um, suddenly a, a sound came from heaven like a, a rushing violent wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Acts 22.6 says, but as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime, a great blaze of light suddenly flashed from heaven and shone around me. It's interesting how suddenly situations and attitudes change, and at the same time our faith increases, and we're made stronger. We have to prepare for those times of suddenly. We have to get ourselves in a place where we are so receptive to God and hearing his voice that the suddenlies will just happen. Amen. Amen. How many of you were here two Sundays ago? And, Pastor, I hope you were here. <laughs> he raised his hand. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for being here, by the way. You know, Pastor was out of town traveling, and he had the option to take today and, and, and stay home. But we're better to be, right, than in the house of the Lord? Well, thank you for being here. Two weeks ago, 
Pastor Stephen was up front, and he broke a string. And he's probably going to get a little flustered because I am saying this. But when his string broke, he had a choice. And a lot of times we, may, we have to make choices when we see these unforeseen obstacles. He could have chose to just stop and come off stage, fix his guitar, move on to a song that didn't include him. He made a choice to push through and worship. And as the sound guy here, I, I love the fact that I can be behind the scenes. In fact, if everybody were to turn their seats around, it would be great because it would be just like I'm at the sound desk. <laughs> so I got to listen to that service, that, that <clears throat> the, the, the worship service from when Pastor Stephen broke his string. And I listened to it over and over, and, and the, the, this, this spoke to me, and, and it spoke to my heart, because I, I, listened, to, I listened to a string break and I, I'm, I'm going to read this verbatim from what I, what I heard. He had the option to get upset about it. So Pastor Stephen says, so we have a choice right now. Because I broke a string. And I can't play my guitar. It's really, really out of tune. So I'm just going to sing anyway. I don't need to play the guitar. I can't play the guitar because I broke a string. And he begins to sing, and the song they go into is Build My Life. The first few lines of that song say, Worthy of every song I can ever sing. Worthy of all the praise I, we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Amen. Amen. Yeah, amen. And again, not one person would have complained if he stepped off the stage and fixed his guitar and, and he refused to stop because he didn't let that, that obstacle from now change what God was doing in him and through him. And while it was uncomfortable for him, and, and, and I'm sure he's not used to singing without holding a guitar, so it had to be different, um, that didn't stop him. God stretched him. God pushed him out of his comfort zone and stretched him and if you all remember how amazing that worship service was, especially that particular song, he took it to another level. God took him to another level through that. Amen. 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 Absolutely. Well, today's Pastor Stephen Day because after that we saw a video of him worshiping with Judah. And you remember the video? Uh, if you didn't see it, yeah, last Sunday. So after service, this is after everybody's gone. Stephen comes down here and he's playing his guitar. And this is, this is the heart to worship. You're done with church, but you're still worshiping. Okay? And he's playing his guitar and Judah comes with his guitar and he's playing. And he's tapping his foot just like his dad does to keep the tempo. And he's doing all the gestures that, that, that Stephen does because he's learning and he's watching. You see, kids don't listen to us. They don't hear us. Any parents in the house know kids don't listen. They just, they just mimic what we do. He's, he's, he's raising a worshiper. Yep. Pastor Stephen's raising a worshiper. 
And this, this, young, this young boy came and ministered right here through a video, through a, a 30 second or less video. He ministered and, and showed us what it is to have a heart to worship. Amen. Thanks. I was going to yell, good preaching, Pastor Rob, but that would have been weird. <laughs> now, let, let me be clear with you about something. Praise and worship isn't just the music. Okay? Worship is not just the singing and the coming up front and playing and getting all happy. Worship is a heart attitude. Everything we do is worship. You sit in front of your TV and you stare at your TV and not get in the Word, and you're worshiping your TV instead of getting in the Word. Anything you do and dedicate time to can turn into worship. Okay? There are other types of worship that we do in the house. We took up a tithe and offering today. That's worship. That's, that's part of the worship. Pastor Rob's been sharing with us about uh, five love languages. Praise and worship is the heart attitude that gets, gives us the opportunity to use those five love languages, which are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, physical touch, to love on God and love him in those five love languages. See, the quality of our worship is not based on our activities, but it's on our character. I'm going to repeat that because I didn't hear enough amens out there. Okay? The quality of our worship is not based on our activities, but on our character. Amen. Amen. There we go. Thank you. Malachi 3.3 says, He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that he may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. The Levites were worship leaders of, of their day and their task was to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. God declared that before they could worship him in righteousness, he would first refine them with his refiner's fire, purging them of any impurities. If you're not satisfied with your quality of worship, don't be too quick to blame your environment. Look at your own heart first. Allow God to refine your heart until it's pleasing to him, and you will be free to worship God as he intends. Do you know that tithes and offerings is, while it's a part of worship, could be one of the most difficult or awkward topics to talk about in church, for, for the, sometimes for the pastor. And we'll even quote scriptures like Malachi 3.10, where it says, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And we'll stop there to speed up the process, make it less awkward. But the rest of the verse says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not, not be room enough to store it. 
I don't know, should I repeat that scripture? Because I didn't get much, uh, amen. I'm, my love languages are words of affirmation and chocolate. I did not bring any chocolate. So words of affirmation today, okay? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. My daughter bakes cookies, and she hides them from me. <laughs> she, oh, she makes them because she likes them, but she hides them from me because I'll eat them. Excuse me. Okay, so I'm going to read that scripture again. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Amen. Amen. Now, should we give because we're expecting something in return? Not at all. But we should know what God's word says. See, I, I believe everything that's in this word. From the feel-good scriptures to the ones that challenge me. Amen? So, if God is saying, test me in this. It's not that I'm doing it because I'm expecting something in return. I'm doing this in obedience because I understand what his word says. Okay? Amen. So now then there's the argument of, well, that's Old Testament. <laughs> so I'm going to go to Matthew 23, 3. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Matthew 23, 3, Jesus is talking. It's in red. Okay? And it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter, without neglecting the former. Okay, if we stop there, it, it, before that, that last line in the same verse, says, oh, you should have practiced justice and faithfulness. faithfulness. But he goes on in that same scripture to say, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He didn't say do away with it. He said keep it coming. Amen. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 say, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each should, give, each should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is talking about offerings over and above the tithe. It's not talking about your, your tithe. It's talking about the offerings over and above. Verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. 
Well, I think that scripture alone needs a clap. Come on. Church, why, why am I sharing these, these things with you today? To put it simply, it's because these are areas where I struggled. You know, Pastor said earlier uh, before when he introduced me that um, he put it nicely, but yes, we were his worst counseling session ever <laughs> for a lot of months <laughs> and still for a lot of months after that, right? And that was just the surface. I struggled with these even after I, I, I was born again and came to Christ. I had to learn, I had to unlearn what I knew so that I can learn God's way. I had to unlearn the things that were normal to me, the things that I grew up understanding and knowing that it was fact. I had to unlearn that so I could learn how God sees things. I struggled with the worship. It was okay for me to come in late. I struggled with coming to the front and the praise songs, they're upbeat and happy and that's good. But then when the worship kicks in and it makes your emotions do things, yeah, I wasn't about that. I'm a guy. I don't want to be emotional. I don't want to cry. I'm not crying. You are, you know. <laughs> Come on, you guys can laugh a little more than that. I, you've laughed at Pastor Rob's jokes, all right? <laughs> Not that they weren't funny. I love you. <laughs> you know, I touched quickly on things that I struggled with. Praise and worship, tithe and offering. Doing all your works as unto the Lord. Okay. Um, are, you, are you doing your work as unto the Lord? When you're at your job, are you doing all your work as unto the Lord? Are you doing things with griping, griping and grumbling under your, underneath your breath? Because um, you like your boss when he's not around, but when he's close by, you don't want to be there. Um, I'm, I'm not the only one, right? Well, I didn't always work in a church. Let me preface that. Let me preface everything with I did plumbing for a lot of years, and I didn't always work at a church. I am blessed, you know. And, 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 Pastor and I have a great relationship. You know, we, we, get to, we get to hang out with each other, you know, and talk about everything. And, and not everybody has that blessing. So when you're going to work, are you doing all your work as unto the Lord? Or are you struggling? Maybe there's some people in here that are business owners and they have employees that, that might be struggling. Are you doing your work as unto the Lord and looking out for them and making sure they're okay? Are you griping and grumbling about your employees and then smiling when they're in front of you? Been there. I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to admit it here. I've been there. I've done that. Okay, I'm going to share it. <laughs> you know, after writing last night, I got up early this morning and deleted half of it and started again. Um, I guess it has to do with this pulpit. We might need to change it. 
And, and the reason I say that is because, uh, you know, pa Pastor again shared a little bit about me and I started to share a little bit about me. See, sometimes I've struggled with when I look in the mirror, the person looking back at me reminds me of what I used to do. He reminds me of where I came from. He reminds me of the people I've hurt. He reminds me of all of the things that I did that I don't want to remember. Hmm. And if I believe that person in the mirror staring back at me, and I believe what that person is saying to me, I will never let, give room for God to grow me and push me to where he wants me to be. So, I should have numbered these pages. Understanding who you are in Christ. I talk, the, the title of my, of my message today is, Are You Stopping You? Right? Understanding who you are in Christ and who God says you are is what makes the difference when you look in that mirror. If you're, you're going to remember all of the stuff you did growing up or all of the things that make you feel like you're not worthy of being in God's presence or is going to let you say, Lord, I thank you from where you took me from. You know, it's okay to have that reminder that this is where God took me from, but look what he did. Amen. Understanding who we are in Christ is the only way that we can move forward like that. So I encourage you today, get in the word. Not just read it because it's the, 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 the words that are on, on paper in front of you. Understand how this impacts you today. Understand that through everything that you're going through, God is the one that's in control. And when you can stand on his word, and when you can stand on his scriptures and know who you are in Christ, that person that's looking back at you in the mirror has no, no, nothing at all to say other than you're doing a good job. I got a text earlier. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. It's a scripture that blessed me. And it blessed me because it's a scripture that we all know. It's very common, very simple. It, and it's one of the go-tos. And it was confirmation for me because I have it here in my notes. We know scriptures like Jeremiah 29, 11. But do we know what Jeremiah 29, 13 says? Hmm. Jeremiah 29, 13 says... You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Are you stopping you? When you open yourself up to the Lord and you just seek him with all your heart, he will show you things. 
He will take you to places you did not even imagine. He will even take you from that person you used to be to somebody that can stand in front and, and share a word. Looking at the clock, and I don't want to. You guys getting anything today? Yes, yes. All right, amen. Good, I'll continue. <laughs> In Psalms, we see the hard attitude of uh, David, you know, his wholehearted worship that he would offer to the Lord. In Psalm 34, 1, he says, I will bless the Lord all, at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. And he knew the difficulties of life. He, he went through quite a few things. How many of you know the story of David and Goliath? Yeah, it's a very common, fun story, right? Well, here comes David, and there's a giant. And uh, when he was going to, f when he said, hey, I can fight Goliath, I can take care of him. He wasn't looking at a giant. He was focused on God. Amen. He knew what God could do through him. Saul offered up his armor for David to go. And it was huge on him. Because that wasn't David's calling. David's calling was for David to be the best David he can be. It wasn't for him to try to fill Saul's shoes. Okay. Amen. Pastor jumps around and runs and jumps on chairs when he's up here. I, I, I don't move that fast. <laughs> I love you, Pastor. <laughs> why, why am I sharing these scriptures about worship? I don't even sing or play. It's because we're made to worship. Clearly, it's because we're made to worship. We were designed to worship the Lord with everything. Worship the Lord with gladness. Worship the Lord with our whole heart. Hebrews 10.22. I didn't give that one to Tony. <laughs> Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I, I found this in my notes from a few years ago this morning, and, and, and I felt the Lord telling me I needed to bring this and share it today. There's five points that stand out in this, in this one scripture. It says, let us draw near to God. You know, it's, it's, it's giving us purpose to draw near to God. It's our call to worship him. We are to draw near to him with a sincere heart, a genuine heart devoted to pursuing God. Draw near to him with your whole heart. We're to draw near in full assurance of faith 
The Hebrew people were clinging to the old covenant forms of worship to find acceptance before God. But Jesus Christ put an end to the ceremony and sacrifice. Each person has to be willing to say, I'm coming to God in full confidence that I am not saved by a system of ritual. I come fully by faith in Jesus Christ. We need to be fully assured that God accepts our worship, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus did providing atonement for us. We're to draw near to God having our hearts sprinkled clean from a guilty conscience. I was just talking about looking in the mirror and remembering my past. And if you think that it doesn't occasionally try to happen today, I have to remind myself daily who I am in Christ. This morning as I was getting ready to come to church, I found a million and one reasons to say I wasn't coming because I can't do it. That's what the guy in the mirror was telling me. He's like, what are you doing? This isn't you. We're to draw near to God having our hearts sprinkled clean from a guilty conscience. We come to God with the knowledge that we are unworthy to be in his presence. The only reason anyone can come to him is the blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed on the cross as a cleansing for our sins. And point five is is purity. We are to draw near having our bodies washed with pure water that comes through the daily cleansing by the word of God. By the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was God, with God and the word was God, right? The process of sanctification, ooh, let me try that again. The process of sanctification uncovers sinful thoughts and exposes sinful behavior. Before you worship, confess the sins that God uncovered through his word so you can draw near impurity. Every time you worship, whether it's corporately, privately, you're preparing yourself, ask yourselves these, these questions. Am I seeing God anew in the word so I'm compelled to draw near to him? Am I being sincere and is my heart focused on him undivided? Am I fully assured that only faith in Jesus Christ can bring me to God's throne. I'm going to close with this short passage here. Luke 19:36-40. I love Luke 19:40. Starting with verse 36, it says, As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Spreading the cloaks, Jesus is coming, and spreading the cloaks is an act of, of hospitality shown to somebody of great importance. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, this is Jesus coming down, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. I'm going to pause right there on verse 37. The whole crowd of disciples, does it say 12? We were called to make disciples, right? The whole crowd of disciples. When he came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. 
Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Verse 40, which I love, says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. We were made to worship. Everything is made to worship. And if you don't worship, even a stone will cry out and worship him. Are you going to be outdone by a stone? Come on, I didn't hear you. All right. No judgment if you, no judgment from me. But with this scripture alone, I refuse to let a stone take my place in worshiping the Lord. Amen? Well, I pray you receive something out of this word today. Um, thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Carlos. I appreciate that. He did a good job, didn't he? Yes. Thank you. Come on down here. I'm going to ask you to stand with us. can only know who we are in Christ if we come to Christ and let Christ come into our lives. See, Pastor Carlos talked about the guy in the mirror. Until we ask Jesus Christ into our heart. Here, turn yours off. I want to stay close to you. Until we ask Jesus Christ in our heart, we are that guy in the mirror. But when Jesus comes into our lives, the guy in the mirror also has Jesus inside of him. Paul said these words, from this point on, I refuse to see people as who they are in the flesh. I choose to see them as the new creation that they are in Jesus Christ. Every one of us have screwed up. Every one of us have made mistakes we hope other people don't find out about. Every one of us needs the blood of Jesus. I'm glad you see the Rob Scarallo who preaches and not the Rob Scarallo that needed to get saved. Amen. And when I look in that mirror, I choose not to see the Rob Scarallo who needed to get saved. I choose to see the new creation. In fact, I choose to see the finished product even though this product is still being worked on. Because if I put my eyes on the finished work of what Jesus accomplished, I will grow into that image. But if I allow that face in the mirror to talk to me about my past, I'll slide back to that image. And so we forget what lies behind so that we can press on and take hold of who Jesus Christ died 
to make us. Amen. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, listen, this whole Christianity thing, it's not about going to church. It's about letting Christ come inside of you so that you become the church. Going to church <laughs> isn't what changes us. It's letting all of heaven come inside of us that changes us. And maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you've been baptized into a church. Uh, maybe, you know, you even served in a church. But if you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and forgive you and to be your Lord and Savior, then you're still just the guy in the mirror. You need to be the guy in the mirror who's got Jesus on the inside. That's what makes the difference. With every eye closed and every head bowed, and I say every head bowed because this is a time for all of us if you're saved, to be praying for others. And if you're not sure whether or not you're saved, to be thinking deeply about your own life. Jesus said, I stand at the door of people's hearts, of their reason, of their emotions, of their rationale, and I knock. Every one of us will stand before God one day we can come up with the finest of excuses, but Jesus will be able to say, no, there was this time and this moment and this situation where I knocked on your awareness, your consciousness, and you shrugged me off. He said, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone... <laughs> I don't care what they've done. If anyone will open that door, I will come in. No question about it. No maybes. He's absolute. If you will give him the chance to come into your life, he will accept you and embrace you and love you the same way he's been trying to love you from a distance. You are the only thing stopping you. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you'd like to make that decision today to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, come on, put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor Rob. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come on, raise your hand right now if that's you. Say, I want to make this decision. I want to know that Jesus is coming into my heart. For those of you that are watching on Facebook and on YouTube, maybe on Roku, right now, come on, raise that hand. I'm going to ask everyone to pray with me this prayer. We're going to invite Jesus in our heart. For those that have been raising their hands, for those that are making that decision, everyone together, pray this prayer. And if you just raised your hand, God knows how to single you out. Dear God, I know you love me. I don't know why, but I'm glad you do. Jesus Christ, I accept your death on that cross. You took my place so I can take your place. The beloved of God.
I'm asking you, Jesus Christ, to forgive me. Oh, I've made some mistakes. I have sinned. And I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my mistakes. And come and live inside me. I want you. And I need you. So I'm asking you. I'm surrendering to you. Take control of this life. From this day forward. Lead me and guide me. Thank you, Father. For accepting me today. Now, Holy Spirit. Take hold of me. And fill me. And guide me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise offering. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Church, I really want to encourage you, starting the 18th of this month, to seriously think about the 10 days of prayer and fasting and repentance. I know how clearly God at the beginning of the year put this message of repentance on my heart. We did a whole series on repentance. Who would have known Australia would have been experiencing historic fires? Who would have known uh, locust plagues of historic proportion? Who would have known a pandemic was going to visit the whole earth? Who would have known social injustices and then protesting that some have taken to out of hand with other ulterior motives and now a state of confusion and anarchy? The whole world is being shook. God spoke. First, the series, Draw Me and I Will Run After You, and then a series on repentance. And then all of this unfolds. And then around the world, national leaders and international leaders start speaking out God's calling the church to repentance. I'm asking you, I'm urging you, if you will let me, I'm telling you, take from the 18th to the 28th, to cry out to God. Because without a move of the Holy Spirit, whoever gets into that office, it's a false hope. Don't let that be your assurance. Let Jesus Christ be your assurance. Let's stop being Americans first and be sons of God first and foremost. People of prayer, people of intercession, People who understand that when we pray, there is an instant connection with heaven. God is waiting for His church to be the church. And so, it's not just, oh yeah, here's another cool event. No, as the pastor in this church, the senior pastor, if you allow me to speak into your life, then I'm telling you, from the 18th to the 28th, take days where you might fast a day or fast two days. Search your own heart. 
but then also look at this nation and don't point a finger. Listen, let me share with you how I think. We, the church, are responsible. Because if we, the church, were who we are and supposed to be, who we are in Christ and who we're supposed to be, America wouldn't be in this condition. America is in this condition because we have pandered to the soulish wants of carnal people rather than standing against the tide and saying, no, we're calling people to higher ground. The church has become selfish. It's become carnal. It's become self-pleasing. We have got to be spiritual. That is built on the Word of God and learn how to say no to our flesh, say no to our childish uh, uh, tantrums. You know, when you were a kid, your parents, they pulled you in a line. But now as an old adult, you have to pull you into line. And we are carnal when we allow our our soul and our emotions to lead us. And we are spiritual when we take discipline and say, no, I'm going to set my face to run after God. America needs you. Did you hear me? America needs you. If men and women who are born again start praying and fasting and crying out to God, I don't care what happens in the White House. Something supernatural will happen in the God house. And when that happens, healing will start to flow through the land. And if that isn't true, then the word of God is a lie. Because God says, if my people turn from their wicked ways, repent, I will heal their land. This land needs healing. Join with us as we get back to the face of God. And I believe a move of God is just behind the curtains. It's about to come. Let's start to set this time aside to see God. I want to thank you so much. You're coming more and more of you coming back to church. Those of you that are still waiting, come on. Church needs to stand up. The church needs to be proactive. We will not live in fear. We will live in faith. The one who is in us is greater than the one who says, I'll huff and puff and blow your house down. Amen. Turn around and give someone an air hug. Unless they want you to give them a hug, give them a high five in the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Next Sunday, I have a prophetic word that I will be preaching. I feel like God's given me a prophetic message for next Sunday. Come on out. Let's make a noise unto the Lord and let's hear what the Holy Ghost has to say. God bless you. Have an incredible week. You are blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.